0: What's up everybody? It's Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. you listen to the Rules Podcast. Be
1: sure to follow at Rules on Twitter. Hello everyone and welcome to the Rules Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers. Fresh off an all-star break, an extended break for us as well, and a weird time to be a Pacers fan. The stretch run, we are two-thirds of the way through the season. Uh, We are out of playoff contention and it is a weird, weird vibe at the moment with fans kind of cheering the loss. That's the, the hard part right now. We did have uh, a loss straight after the all-star break. um, And it was to the Oklahoma city thunder, which did absolutely everything to help the Pacers draft odds, um, but nothing to help their, uh, their overall development, I think. But We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the opinions of the fan base. And we're going to talk about, Justin, a tweet that you sent out. And we'll we'll cover this off the top because it's probably the most important thing to talk about. And that is Rick Carlisle's, let's say, his strategy at the moment. Because now the T word is, is widely used in NBA Twitter tanking. I... I don't think that anyone in the Pacers organization, let's get this off the top. I don't think anyone in the Pacers organization is actively trying to lose games. I do not think that is happening. Let's go to you first, Justin. Do you think that is happening?
0: No, no, they're not. They're not tanking. That's a, it's a bad word. Like you said, the the organization would never tank. Are they putting themselves in the best position to win? I'd say maybe not.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think the priorities of the organization now are less about playing the best players on the team at the best or the most important times in the game and more about understanding who plays well together, who fits well together and how the team chemistry is going to be over the next 18 months. Because Alex, this, this roster right now is effectively with the exception of a couple of play a couple of key young players auditioning to remain on the team past this summer?
2: 100%, man. It's experimenting season. And I think Rick Carlisle and the Pacers front office, as as you guys said, they will never, ever admit that they're taking, to be fair, no franchise actually does, even when it's pretty obvious. But, you know, for, for Rick Carlisle, it's about seeing which guys fit with Halliburton, most importantly, And then you've got some free agents, right? Like Jalen Smith, it's going to be hard to keep him, but if you want to keep him around, you want to see what he can do and he's played well. Uh, TJ Warren, if he comes back, which is the biggest what if ever, apparently. Um, And then, yeah, Brogdon and Halliburton again. So you you want to see who fits with what. And then Buddy Heald, I think, is another question mark, right? He's played really well since coming to the Pacers. I know... Uh, well, I don't speak for you guys, but I'm, I'm a fan of keeping him just because he's a really good fit with Rick Carlisle's system and we never really have volume three-point shooters. So, you know, as you said, the, the next 24 games or so is all about experimenting and happily losing close games.
1: I, I definitely see that over the next 20-odd games, uh, there are two guys that played in yesterday's game that the next couple of months will determine whether they stay on the team. One is Buddy Hill, the other is Malcolm Brogdon. So Brogdon came back. I was sure that he would not come back. I was a little concerned to see him back just because of how injury prone he is. I don't want to see him get injured again because I think it hurts the team and it hurts any potential trade suitors that we have should it not work out with Halliburton. But Justin, small sample size, I know, but what are your early impressions of a Brogdon-Halliburton
0: backcourt? Well, it's a lot better than Brogdon running the point by himself, isn't it? So, yep. yeah, I, I was with you guys. Like, I didn't want to see him the rest of the season. I'm talking about Brogdon, obviously, but I knew he was going to come back because he was questionable for five, six straight games. So he wasn't being shut down for the season. Look, if he if he sprains his ankle or he's got soreness again, look, just sit him out the season. But who knows, our pace is management putting him on the court to say, hey, this is your guy for the last 20 games. Let's build his value up for, for a draft night trade. Who knows? Um, but it, it did look good. And the pairing, I'm with Alex. So I really like Buddy Heald. And I know you, you kind of romanticize new players when you get them. They're like the new puppy you, you watch out for. But Buddy Heald, like Alex mentioned, we don't have volume three-point shooters. We really haven't since yeah, CJ Miles. Yeah. And yeah, like, I don't know. I, I think... Buddy Hill will be better than CJ Miles ever was for the Pacers. So, um, yeah, I'd love to keep him. Yeah, there's there's so many ways. At least Pritchard has flexibility with this roster now. If we keep Brogdon, he could be a good fit with uh, Halliburton. If we move on with him, then you've got, you know, a pairing of Tyrese, uh, Duarte and Buddy Hill which I really like.
1: I mean, Buddy Hill's been incredible. 21, nearly 22 points, six rebounds, five assists in the five games that he's played for the franchise. You can't ask for any better than that. I mean, that's he's putting up borderline all-star numbers in his first five games with the franchise, which is crazy. I did not expect that from Buddy Hill, but I'm beyond stoked that we got that. I think it would depend on the direction that we go this summer as to whether I want to keep Buddy Hill. The reason I say that is... You you don't want if you drafted Jaden Ivy, then you need to then concede that either Buddy Hield is your is your small forward, um, or uh, Buddy Hill is your six man. And Buddy Hill just came from a situation where he was the six man in Sacramento. He didn't like it. He wanted a bigger role. So is he going to accept that role? At the moment he's the starting small forward for the Pacers right now, and he will be for the rest of the season. It looks like um, the only person that might challenge that is TJ Warren, but I would hazard a guess to say that he isn't coming back, or if he does, he'll be on a heavy minutes restriction for the rest of the season, just to see how he looks heading into free agency, which is another really weird situation. But if you are happy that Buddy Heald is your small forward moving forward, if you are happy that, and if you don't draft a guard uh, and you want to go with a Halliburton, Duarte, Buddy heeled starting lineup as your your backcourt and wings, then Alex, it makes sense to keep the guy.
2: This is why these conversations are so tough to have, right? That that draft night, as you said there, that's the biggest what if. Yeah. Whatever happens on draft night, even lottery, like even the night of the lottery is going yeah. to dictate a lot. If we get the number one pick, you're basically locking yourself into Jabari Smith or Chet, who are front court players. Don't um, say that name on this and- podcast,
1: Alex. <laughs> Do not say you're
2: going to, I knew you were going to jump in there. But,
1: <laughs> Don't even, we um, will get, but- we'll get to draft picks down the line, but can <laughs> I just say that I'm officially banning the word Chet from future episodes right now, ban, ban, right ban
2: now. all skinny white men from Indiana yes. but, uh, <laughs> banned. But, but as you said, there, like, if you get the third or fourth pick, then you're probably taking Ivy, right? So that, yep. that draft pick is going to dictate what happens with Brogdon. It might dictate what happens with Buddy Healed because if you get Ivy, then all of a sudden you have way too many guards. Uh, Duarte could probably play spot minutes at the three, but you really want him playing two. So, yeah, the, the draft night for me is going to dictate what happens. And I think, as I said on one of the previous shows, Kevin Pritchard is going to be super active. Like I, I think he's going to make at least one trade, if not multiple. I don't know if that's a hot take, but that's my uh, semi-hot take. There you go. uh, And it
1: depends completely what Buddy Hill wants. I mean, if he is happy to be a six man, then he could be the six man of the year in the right situation. I mean, he's shown incredible production the last five games, and he'll probably show incredible production the rest of the season. Now you could defend that as, or you could counter that with Justin good stats, bad team. Um, But he, he, he looks incredibly engaged on this team. And Buddy Hield is everything that we wanted Jeremy Lamb to be when we signed Jeremy Lamb three seasons ago. He is the three-point threat that, you know, fills up a box score. And I did not expect this at all. I mean, I'm, I'm incredibly happy to have him on the roster moving forward. The other thing, um, as a nerd, I appreciate salary cap and contracts. And he's got a uh, declining in salary contract the next couple of seasons, which is incredibly valuable. Guys like Aaron Gordon also have had that in the past and they've been really good trade ships because their value is declining. So you are not uh, inheriting large raises year on year that hurt your salary cap. So that makes him an incredibly enticing trade ship. I mean, uh, why the Lakers didn't pull the trigger on that on draft night, I, I'm so glad they didn't because we ended up with him uh, instead. But I mean, he's, he's valuable any way you want to look at it in this league.
0: Yeah, he is. And, you know, it's funny, Pacers, in their history, they, they always get players like Chris Copeland and, you know, CJ Miles, and they just don't seem to play well here. Like those, those three-point shooters, they don't, for some, whatever reason, they just don't play well while they're here. So I feel like for Pacers, if they want to be contenders or, you know, at least winning a playoff series in the next one to two years, which we all hope that's the direction the Pacers are headed, Buddy hill has got to be your sixth man. He's got to be the one coming off the bench, your your bench scorer, the one who brings energy every night, who can drop twenty five points off the bench. I don't think he's your ideal starter in two years. I think he should he should hone in on that sixth man role. Um, but just going back to what you said, Alex, I just want to mention about draft night and the lot, lottery and everything like that. Yeah, I, I feel like the the future of this team is based on those two nights, but. I just don't see the Pacers using that Cleveland's pick, pick 20 or whatever it is that that'll be used in a trade. I I personally feel if the Pacers are around that sixth or seventh mark with their own pick and they really like, let's just say Jaden Ivey, they're going to, they're going to package the Cavs pick and a player to move up in the draft to get the third or fourth pick to select a player they really want. That was just me reading between the lines with Pritchard's press conference the other week. You know him saying, "If there's a player we like, we're going to target him. We're going to get him." So I feel like if they don't get the lottery position they want, there'll be moves to make, uh, moves made to get them.
1: There has to be. I think this is a this is a one year uh, regression. Let's call it a regression. It's yeah. not a tank. It's not a rebuild. It's not a reset. It's one year of being terrible to get a very high draft pick. The Spurs did it in 1996, ended up with Tim Duncan. You know, you've seen teams every now and again um, come up with one... Golden State, for example, did it and got James Wiseman more recently. Now, we obviously haven't been at the level of those teams. Those two teams made the finals before they regressed and had that bad year, but it allows us to reset. It allows us to then use... know, three, four, five players that are all under the age of 25 to propel ourselves to be a great team for the next five, six, seven years if we wanted to be. I mean, we've got Torres Halliburton locked in for another two years of his rookie deal plus another five years of an extension. Mm -hmm. And so we we have a seven-year period of time with which we will be dealing with an all-star level player that's locked in. It's all ready to go. And you potentially pair him with another uh, potential all-star at the top of the draft that we will then control the contract for for at least eight seasons, if not nine. And you, you've you got an a extended window of time with which you can take, you know, make significant moves with your salary cap and also build a contender. I mean, this is exactly what we wanted at the start of the season. It's so funny. We've gone through this whole season we went through the seven stages of grief with Herb Simon's comments and lo and behold, at the trade deadline, we pulled the trigger. This is Alex, exactly what we've been asking for. And it's, it's probably one of the most exciting times to be a Pacers fan since the Paul George, Roy Hibbert, David West teams.
2: Absolutely, man. Um, how many episodes did we say all we're asking for is to pick a direction? right? Yeah. Like we we said that on every single episode. Fans probably got sick of hearing it, but it was the truth, right? Like this team was stuck in the mud. They needed to pick a direction and they did. So, you know, it, the trade deadline was a win and, and you kind of touched on it there, Adam. I think the most underrated part of that deadline was the Pacers are going to be one of like four or five teams with a lot of cap space. And you, you might say, well, that means nothing. No one's coming to Indiana. And you're right. No, you know, no free agents are going to sign with the Pacers. But you can use that cap space to either take on bad contracts, uh, you know, Evan Fournier or plays like that, that that contending teams don't want. Then you can get assets in return for that or you can just use it to uh, you know, you, you can hold on to cap space, right? Like Buddy Heald comes off the books when Halliburton needs to get paid, right? So you have so much more flexibility with cap space now. And now we've, I feel like Kevin Pritchard's caught a lot of slack in the past 18 months, but he deserves a ton of credit for for the deadline moves that he made.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I don't know if there's anyone on the 2022 free agency list that either of you sort of look at and think that's the guy that we need to be adding to this mix. Um, but I, we're, in, we're in play because I, I don't believe any of the top, top, top free agents, I'm talking the Bradley Beals and James Hardens and those guys are going to, you know, even be available, let alone... Um, be available for the Pacers, but you know if you look at I guess the next uh, level down of free agents, then you know there's some interesting names that pop up. Um, I don't think that a Zach Levine, for example, once again is is going to be the right guy to target. But you know you I I don't think it's a strong free agent class, which might actually play into the Pacers' hands because we don't attract the top, top, top level free agents. So maybe we can get another David West in the door. Maybe we can get a respected veteran in the door to set a culture for this team. And Tyrus Halliburton, you know, has already shown signs that he is the guy that can set a culture. We just need potentially that veteran that uh, Kevin Pritchard was asking for last summer, we now can potentially go out and pay for. And Justin, I don't know whether you know uh, or have a wish list of what that veteran, who that veteran could be or what that looks like, but it's got to be in play that we, we go after a guy that's, you know, maybe in their mid to late 20s that can still be with this team as it builds into a contender, but can also set the culture a little bit. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org/chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY
0: 467-369. Oh, for sure. And, you know, as a Pacer fan and as the three of us have been, you, you get used to Pacers, you know, once free agency opens on July 1, you get used to, you know, oh, no movement for the Pacers. They'll sign some guys on July 3rd, July 4th, or the B, C, D fringe players that, you know, your TJ McConnells, your You guys like that, which, you know, they're cool to have, but there's nothing that the fans are going to go crazy about. For me, I just do not want DeAndre Ayton. For me, good player, but if he's getting a max, which he is demanding from Phoenix and all that, he's going to be half the player without Chris Paul. Chris Paul has gotten Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, the max contract, and they've been terrible since not playing with Chris Ball. DeAndre Ayton, for me, is going to be the same thing. I've heard some Pacers chatter about, oh, we should get DeAndre Ayton, DeAndre Ayton. No, I want to be on the record so early saying I do not want him because I can see him just being a 12.8 rebound guy for the Pacers. Um, And I know people might say, oh, Tyrese Halliburton's a, you know, he's got comparisons to Chris Paul. Maybe those two would mix well. Maybe. Maybe someone's going to have that opinion. But for me, Adam, on the record, I do not want the paces to offer DeAndre Ayton and max. When you look at the names that
1: are on offer, I mean, it, as I say, it's, it's not a strong class. But you look at the restricted free agency names and uh, the only name that I can see that pops up as I scroll through the names that are available is... Aaron Holiday is available in free agency this summer. <laughs> Please, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Miles My, Bridges. Miles Bridges is available in free agency this summer, and he is a Ford. He scores in bunches. He's super athletic. He's super young. I mean, I know the Pacers have this like really weird obsession with let's not upset the apple cart. Do you throw all, do you throw the bag at Miles Bridges, Justin? Like, is that, is, is that defensible? He's 23.
0: Well, yeah, well, they've got some, that stupid rule where they don't offer a restricted free agency. Break it. Rules are made to be broken. It's- it's ridiculous, like definitely for a team in the paces position with small markets and no big player wanting to get it. But yeah, I, I like Miles Bridges. I mean, he's in the running for most improved this year. So um, you know, Charlotte they've got to pay you know Lamelo Ball soon, and you know there's two other Gordon Hayward's big contract and Terry Rozier. So um, if a team offers them the max, that might be half of the Hornets to match. But um, geez, Alex, I, I'd love paces. Just uh, all the riffraff we get, I'd love for them to sign a star. Like,
1: mm. I'm not He's sure what comes to Indy, mate. <laughs> let me,
0: yeah, I, look, the only, the
1: only guy that... I mean, Zach Levine's going to re-sign with the Bulls. The Bulls are too good. The only guy that has an ability to get out of his contract who is an all-star is Bradley Bill. And Bradley Bill's 28 years old. So I just don't see that fitting our age profile at all. I also don't see Bradley Bill being a guy that you can say... Well, that's the guy that's going to set the tone. That's going to set like the, the culture of this team. That's, that's not something that Bradley Beal's ever really successfully done. I mean, and Zach Levine, the same. He's, you know, up until he got to the Bulls, he was considered a bit of a loose cannon. So it's uh, the, the guys that I see, there's two guys that are restricted free agents, Miles Bridges and Anthony Simons. My, my advice would be to the Pacers or whoever else has cap space, throw the max at those guys, make Portland and Charlotte pay the max for those guys or make them blink and not pay the max. And then you get a guy who is 22, 23 years old, who is already incredible, who is already a borderline all-star, who is already putting up insane numbers. So, you know, I I think it's incredibly defensible for the Pacers to make that sort of decision with the cap flexibility they have. They don't have to pay Tyrese Halliburton for two years you could sign, you know, you could say to Miles Bridges, he's thirty-five million a year for three years, and like it wouldn't break the bank, and it would give us the flexibility moving forward. I just think there's a there's a world in which I can see us making the decision, but I agree with you, Justin, that Aiton is not it. I mean, we have Miles Turner, we are paying Miles Turner eighteen million a year this next year. We should continue to do that because that's a really good price for a center that. Blocks a lot of shots, and we don't want the ego of a big, you know, big guy coming in on a max deal that thinks he's probably a little bit better than he actually is. Because this year he hasn't been great.
0: So, well, for for me, Adam, it's we're talking about this a year in advance. I think I think this isn't the big year where we need a free agent. It's it's more so. Yeah, you want to get Halliburton. You want to get, let's just say, Jaden Ivey. You want to get this young nucleus playing well together and maybe they upset someone in the playoffs next year in the first round and then a free agent goes, wow, I want to join that team. They're on the, the missing piece to that team to push them over the edge. Like I feel like that's what David West thought when he watched the young and upcoming paces. He wasn't there that first year they um, got swept or lost to the Bulls. It was it was that next year where you go, oh, wow, this team's up and coming. We're just not there yet. If you talk to basically, I mean, Draymond Green says every time he's on TV or a podcast about the Pacers, Pacers suck. Like us around the NBA would not have the best, like players wouldn't talk highly of the Indiana Pacers right now. Yeah. So we just need that year to settle and then go, all right, we could attract a, a star free agent then.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's it's clear that the the smart thing to do would be, you know, maybe facilitate help other teams facilitate a trade this season to get off money for the next season. You know, Russell Westbrook is a, a huge expiring contract next year. I'm not saying you take him on, but like $41 million, you could potentially take a guy on like that, buy him out, have it account against your cap, and then get something in return. Um and have all the cap space in the world the following summer when a bunch of guys are unrestricted free agents and, you know, throw the bag at anyone that you would so wish. I mean, Alex, is it better to to use this season as a stopgap and use our salary cap strategically?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And I think that's also why they won't extend Miles, or at least that's like one of the reasons to me why they won't offer Miles the extension. Yeah. I just think that if you give it Flexibility an extra 20 mil over the next two years, you're basically saying that's our cap space eaten up, right? Whereas now you have way more flexibility. So, you know, uh, it's funny because, you know, we realistically next season could have four of our five starters on rookie deals, right? So if you did want to throw a massive restrict free agent, go for it, right? Like you said, Miles Bridges. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? You're not using that money elsewhere. So I think that would be a fine option. Um, But yeah, I'm with you. I think they'll save it for the 2023 more so just for other teams, not even just like they won't use all of it, but for other teams to get off bad contracts. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. You have to. And I think you've, you have to make some teams blink. I mean, you have to, you have to make the Pelicans blink with Zion at some point. Like you, you (laughs) have to, if Zion plays next season, but only plays half the season and is a little shaky, then you have to have a conversation about offering that guy, Max deal. Just oh. in case, just in let, case. let
0: me jump. Let me jump in, Adam. I saw a trade thing on a forum, and it was the I would have blown my load if this this happens because it was like Miles Turner, Malcolm Brogdon, and a pick for Zion Williamson. And oh, I was like, tomorrow, yes. do it. Call it in. Call it in. Yes. Could you imagine Halliburton, Zion, and a Jaden Ivey? Oh my god! Like, how exciting Call would that team the be? Trade
1: in. Call it in. I mean, um, you, this, uh, but this is this is the point about having a, a year for a stopgap and then going hard at someone the following year. The Pelicans could be bulking at paying Zion Williamson thirty-eight million dollars a season at the end of next season. They, you know, he may want to go to New York or whatever. You offer that man money. You he he had he averaged twenty-seven points a game last season, and he's been dealing with a foot injury, but. Justin, you've always said that you want the Pacers to take a risk. This is the risk, right? Like this, if you're going to take a risk, you take a risk on Zion Williamson. You offer him every cent
0: you possibly can. And a hundred percent, Adam. And if it blew back in the faces of the Pacers, I think okay. every don't care. They've they've tried their best. They tried to get a superstar. And look, I know, you know, Pacer Nation, Pacers aren't going to get Zion Williamson 999 percent but We just want that bold, bold move for once. Like, we liked Sabonis getting traded because it just, oh, wow, that's so unlike Indiana. Like, I know even if you're a Sabonis guy, you had that respect for the Pacers going, wow, they're actually trying to do something different. And I think, although we've given love to Kevin Pritchard, I think we've all got to give love to Rick Carlisle as well because we've all said his voice is very much very much on this team's future and he's come in and you can see kind of what he's done with who gets playing time. I mean Goga's fully out of the rotation now. Yeah that last game yeah. against okay see Go he's on. gone. He's gone. He he's not he's not a pacer next year. And I think Carlisle's gone, hey, let's suck this year. Let's get a good draft pick for once let's you know trade your best two-time all-star it is just very unlike the Pacers. so um yeah i know i've gone on a bit of a tangent there but yeah zion mate if all pacer nation wants to get the hashtag zion to indy started <laughs> i will jump on board and alex i'm sure would enjoy making a mixtape of that absolutely it's uh it's going to be a really interesting couple of years to be a paces
1: fan we'll be with you the whole journey we've been the Paceroos. we will see you after the back-to-back